Ion 2020, episode 25. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, this is Ray Eaton, your host of Eye on 2020, the podcast that's going to bring you all of the news events and the goings-on of the 2020 election. I appreciate all of my listeners. I appreciate you guys coming back every day. Uh, I am trying my best to bring you the news first in any event that I can uh, with regards to this 2020 election. Uh, I've been doing this every single day for about the last three and a half weeks or so. And uh, I certainly do appreciate it. I believe I'm on episode 25 now. And it's it's pretty exciting, man. It really is. Um, just keep on keep on going. I'm trying to catch up to with like the Tom Woodses of the world and uh, the Jason Stapletons. I think Tom Woods must have like what 13, 1400 episodes right now. And uh, I don't know if I'd ever catch up to a Scott Horton. That guy just is a is an absolute maniac when it comes to his podcasting. That guy, I think he's been doing this since the. I don't know, before podcasting even existed, obviously, but since like the 1990s, he's been doing interviews, he's been uh, just putting out shows on a constant basis, and that guy is just an absolute beast, right? You can't, you can't ever, uh, if you ever even heard of Scott Horton before, this guy is that he's from antiwar.com, uh, he's also anti-war radio, but he puts out a podcast I don't know, I guess he puts out about five, six, maybe seven podcasts a week, and they're all interviews with different people from the um, from from the foreign policy environment, right? So these guys, he's always interviewing different people about foreign policy, what's going on in the, with the wars out there, and all that good stuff. I really enjoy listening to his show, so if you haven't checked him out, go ahead and do that. Just look up Scott Horton, you'll find him. Um, go to antiwar.com every day as well. I do that just to see what's going on internationally because I think it's important to know what's going on internationally, right? Uh, When I think of of myself, I have the Ion 2020 podcast and I'm Ion the Empire on my Twitter handle. By the way, go ahead and follow me there if you'd like. It's at Ion the Empire. uh, But I really enjoy looking into foreign policy and so forth and that's why, you know, that's one of the reasons why I've started doing the podcasting now is keeping an eye on what's going on with the with all these candidates and stuff. See who's going to be the best candidate. See who's going to be best from a libertarian's perspective. Um, that's what I enjoy. So if you haven't ever heard of Scott Horton, go ahead and look him up and follow antiwar.com on a daily basis. This is not a sales pitch for them or anything like that. I am not getting any money for doing this. I just think it's an important, you know, he puts out a very important, uh, a lot of important information on a daily basis. But I'm trying to catch up to him. Uh, with his four or 5,000 podcasts that he's done, I'm on episode 25 right now. We have a little over a year, or yeah, 
almost almost two years, so a little under two years until this election. If I'm putting out five a week until then, I should be up to three or four hundred by then, let's say. And uh, and then we'll just keep this thing going. If you want to listen in, go ahead. You know, keep on listening, and you could do that by subscribing to my to my podcast on whatever podcatcher you're listening through. I typically listen through iTunes or excuse me, Apple Podcasts. And I go ahead, what I do, if I ever hear a podcast that I like, what I do is I just hit that subscribe button. And sometimes I'll even leave them a rating and a review, right? So give a five-star rating. And that's something that I hope that you will do. So today, I just want to jump into this because uh, today, I, 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 one of the things I typically do on Sundays is I'll watch the... Uh, a few of the Sunday news shows like CBS Sunday Morning and um, MSNBC, or not MSN, it's not NBC Meet the Press. Sometimes I watch Fox News Sunday. Like those are shows that I watch. I, you know, wake up in the morning, grab a cup of coffee. I always uh, cook some pancakes and some bacon for my kids. I always enjoy doing that. That's kind of my Sunday morning routine. And then I'm not a big news watcher during the week or anything like that, but for some reason I just like to uh, follow some of these Sunday shows and just see who they're interviewing because usually that's where the news is made in the sense that it's like they actually get, you know, the real the, the real politicians on record. It's not just some talking heads, some idiots that you see Monday through Friday on these uh, on these shows you know, like Hannity and so forth. It's just talking heads there. That's it's no one that is actually a decision maker in Washington that, that those guys are usually interviewing. But on the Sunday morning shows, you'll get some of those uh, people that are going to be the influencers within Washington. So you kind of want to keep an eye on what they're saying because that's going to kind of, you know, set the tone for the week on what the rest of the news is talking about and, and also what those talking heads are talking about, right? So I always keep an eye on those. And one of the things that I noticed this week is uh, Donald Trump was on CBS Sunday Sunday Morning, I think it was. Not CBS Sunday Morning, but it's CBS, uh, I don't know if it's their Meet the Press, whatever their Sunday show is. It's on at 10.30 in the morning on Sundays, and uh, they did an interview with Donald Trump. And it used to be another guy, but now it's a lady named Margaret Brennan, who's the, who's the host of it. So I went up and pulled up the transcripts because... During the interview, I was really impressed with what Donald Trump said on a few issues, but the <clears throat> the most specific issues was his anti-war stance uh, that he was talking about. And to me, I'm, I'm an anti-war libertarian. Uh, I'm a libertarian through and through, and I believe that the one place that our foreign or the one place that our country can make some huge changes right off the bat, saving money and so forth is on the foreign policy because we spend hundreds of billion do- billions of dollars on our military every single year. And if you cut out the international junk that we're doing, if you cut out the policing the world, if you cut out the, um, the foreign interventions, all that stuff, then you're going to save a ton of money. You're going to bring those true. Oh, but most importantly, and I, I think that politicians sidestep this so much. Most importantly, you're going to save a lot of lives. Both civilian lives in these countries that we're in and military soldiers who are Americans that need to be home with their families. 
And I just, it blows my mind that just to be anti-Trump, these these politicians are all about, you know, staying in the wars now and everything. I mean, it absolutely blows my mind because back in, or I think it was on Friday or Thursday or Friday of last week, the Senate voted to go ahead and, uh, and it was a resolution, re- resolution. So I think it has no, no weight of law or anything like that, but it was just to get everyone on record. And it was like 68, 69 politicians in, in the Senate voted that they were not in favor of Trump pulling out of Syria and Afghanistan. And it just blew my mind because these wars have just been going on forever. Abs- I mean, 19 years in Afghanistan, or going on 19 years, sorry, so it's 2019 now, so 18 years in Afghanistan, you know, 16, 17 years in Iraq, and now they're, this caliphate rises up in Syria, takes over some of Iraq, for it was for ISIS, and all this junk, and, uh, you know, and all it's doing, it's the blowback, right, Ron Paul talked about it, but this was, the blowback is an idea that came from the 1990s, where America's in certain places, and just the very fact that we're there, and, you know, somebody dies, it's a civilian, now their brother and their cousin are anti-American, they're going to tell all their buddies about it, they're all going to get riled up, and now they're anti-American, and then someone else dies at the hands of an American soldier, and their buddies decide that they're going to be anti-American, and you just, it's just a growing population of people that are anti-American, that causes blowback, which causes, you know, the terrorist cells to pop up and so forth, right? So we have those people, and uh, they talked about, they talked about blowback back then, and ISIS was essentially blowback from America being in Iraq, right? And then you had Syria starting to get, become a the rebels started to turn against Assad and so forth over in Syria. So ISIS saw, not ISIS, but the people that were part of ISIS back then, uh, or they're the root of ISIS, I guess, which were called Al-Qaeda and in Iraq and Al-Qaeda in Syria kind of formed, is what eventually formed ISIS, right? So that was blowback from American troops being over in Iraq and taking over parts of those countries. So... American soldiers had to go in there to start trying to fix that blowback and so forth. But it's just this huge conundrum of what do, what do we do at that point, right? What is not we, because but the what do the what do the Americans do? What does the military do? Do we apply more force in those areas, or do we start to pull back? And Donald Trump always said this during the campaign, and he gets into it in this interview. He says something to the effect of, you know. We should have never been in there in the first place in Iraq. It was bad intelligence and so forth, right? And uh, he gets into that in the interview. But it just blows my mind that these politicians are so against him taking an anti-war stance. And even the press now seems like they're giving him hell for that, right? Are you not going to believe, are, she says in one spot, and we'll get into it more deep, deeply, but she says in one spot, you're not going to trust your intelligence officials but isn't it the press, isn't it the, well, actually, I might be wrong on that, because the press, the press oftentimes is the main beater of the drums for war, right? But then eventually, 
they start turning against the war, which they started to do in 2004, 2005. But during the, during the march to war, the press were the biggest people beating the drums for this war, right? <clears throat> and then ultimately, they start to realize that, or they start to turn, turn on Bush back then and say that the intelligence was bad and he jumped the gun on this. There was no weapons of mass destruction, blah, 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 blah. So the, the press seems to give Donald Trump so much hell about pulling out of these wars. And it just blows my mind that that's the case because isn't it the liberals supposedly that are the ones that are typically anti-war? I have no idea. But anyway, I want to go in and jump into this, uh, jump into reading a little bit about the, or I, I pulled up the transcript from CBS News on this Donald Trump interview, and I just had a few quotes from him that I wanted to bring up because <clears throat> we're going into 2020, this election cycle, and Donald Trump clearly is going to be the anti-war candidate, and he, or not clearly is going to be, but he clearly can be the anti-war candidate, and he can have a winning issue if he's willing to do this. I was listening to a podcast today with Scott Horton, and he had said something to that effect, that Donald Trump can literally, literally pull out of a war every quarter between now and 2020, start just slowly ending wars. He could end a war in Afghanistan and Iraq and Syria and Somalia and Yemen, and then he could also, you know, become a peacemaker on the Ukrainian border and so forth. Like, he has so many opportunities to just end all these wars and uh, between now and the 2020 election. And he would, Scott Horn said he'd be called uh, Trump the Great at that point. You know, you might call him Trump the Peacemaker at that point because of all the peace he's made in this world. And then you have, I, then you have North Korea. He'll be able to run on such a, such a, you know, a, he'll be able to be a huge anti-war candidate if he wanted to. If he had the balls to stand up against his, this you know this deep state, these deep state generals, these deep, you know these people in the war industrial complex, if he was willing to stand up against these people, he can really run on that issue. And what'll happen is all of these Democrats will end up being Cheney, Cheneyite. That's what Scott and Horton end up calling them, Cheneyite Democrats. These people that are these war hawk Democrats, that's what they'll have to do. And that would just totally flip, flip the script from, uh, it would totally script, uh, flip the script on all of these candidates who are now having to be war hawkish. It, it would just absolutely be amazing to see. And he has such an opportunity to do this. And I'm, I think that he's trying to make the case in this interview and here's why I'm saying that. So Margaret Brennan is asking Donald Trump about the report, or I guess the um, a lot of the intelligence officials right now are testifying in, in or last week were testifying in Washington. <coughs> Excuse me. They're, they're testifying in Washington about, um, you know, Syria and Afghanistan and so forth. They're in the Senate testifying. And she says, and she's asking him about, you know, what he thinks about, those people testifying and then Donald Trump says about the report he says I think let me just say it wasn't so much a report 
It was the questions and answers as the report was submitted, and they were asked questions and answers. We've done an incredible job in Syria. When I took over, Syria was infested with ISIS. It was all over the place. You And now you have very little ISIS. You have a caliphate almost knocked out. As we all as we all know, Donald Trump speaks in very simple terms. So then he goes on right at the end of this statement. He says, quote, if you look at Afghanistan, we're going, we're go, we're going in very soon. We'll be going into our 19th year spending 50, $50 billion a year. If you go back and look at any of my campaign speeches or rallies, I talked about it all the time, end quote. And then Margaret Brennan says, you did. You've been talking about in that. Donald Trump, I want to bring people home. And then Margaret Brennan, but that's one of the questions here is because you have these strongly held convictions and people ask, well, why don't the facts influence these opinions? If those facts change and your director of national intelligence said ISIS still has strongholds in Iraq and Syria, and then President Trump jumps in, by the way, and then she tries to finish her statement and will launch attacks from there. Donald Trump, you're going to always have pockets of something. What you're going to have people like the one-armed man who blew up a restaurant, you're going to have pockets, but you're not going to keep armies there because you have a few people or even, or you even have fairly reasonable numbers of people. We've been there for many years, many, many years. We were supposed to be in Syria for four months. We've been there for years. We have been in Afghanistan for 19 years. And by the way, I've been hitting it very hard in Afghanistan, and now we're negotiating with the Taliban. We'll see what happens. Who knows? And then Margaret Brennan asks, can you trust the Taliban? Can you actually broker a deal? Donald Trump Look, whether we should have been there in the first place, that's the first question. Second question, and then she chimes in, that's where 9-11 was launched from. And Donald Trump says, we've been there for 19 years almost. We are fighting very well. We're fighting harder than ever before. And I think that they will. I think they're tired now. And I think that they're willing to negotiate. So... Donald Trump is fighting with her on the idea of whether we should even get out of these wars in the first place. And it just makes no, to me, it just makes no sense because we have been in these wars for 19 years. I think that Donald Trump is making a very valid point that people are getting tired and that that we need, that the soldiers want to come home. And, and then he, but the one thing he says that really, you know, strikes me as he says, if we should have even been there in the first place. So that's what I like. I mean, he has he's he's on the right track with this anti-war stance, but he's being challenged on it. And I think I I've, I've seen him like he'll go with the go with his instincts, right? Which are let's pull the troops back. But then somehow he always has to walk it back because he must have people above him, not above him because he's the president, but people that just have a lot of influence on him that just feed him information to get him to stay a little bit longer. Just give us a little bit longer as must be. I don't know. It it blows my mind though, right? It really does because the instinct is to 
be anti-war and he's all about it within this interview so this is another highlight of the interview that i wanted to talk about and margaret brennan she says the senate republicans voted the vast majority of them said that they don't support what you're doing that what you're doing risks national intelligence by a precipitous withdrawal from syria and afghanistan doesn't that concern you what they said is it risks national intelligence, but does it does it risk our country? Like that risks national intelligence. I don't even know what that means. I don't know what her statement means when she says, "You're what you're doing risks national intelligence." If that's what the Senate says, that doesn't even make sense to me. National security. If we risk national security because of it, what are they going to come over and invade America if we leave Syria and Afghanistan? But then Donald Trump doesn't push back on that statement because national intelligence has nothing to do with anything in my mind. But he says, and I love it when he says this, and I don't agree with Donald Trump most of the time, especially on domestic policies, especially on a lot of things. And, you know, bombing Syria with 56 Tomahawk missiles a couple of years ago. I mean, that 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 blew my mind that he did as well. It terrified me. But. When she says, does that concern you, that the, that the Senate voted the vast majority of them that, that they don't support what you're doing? I love it. He says, I ran against 17 Republicans. This was a big part of what I was saying, and I won very easily. I think the people out in the world, I think people in our country agree. We've been fighting for 19 years. Somebody said you were precipitously bringing to precipitously question mark we've been there for 19 years i want to fight i want to win and we want to bring our great troops back home i've seen the people i go to walter reed hospital i see what happens to people i see them with no arms no legs i've seen also what happens to them up here then he points to his head because they're in this situation and they come back and they're totally different people where the wives and the fathers and the mothers say, what has happened to my son? What has happened in some cases to my daughter? It's a terrible thing. We've been there close to 19 years, and it's time. And we'll see what happens with the Taliban. They want peace. They're tired. Everybody's tired. We'd like to have, I don't know, like endless war. He says, we'd like to have, I don't know, like endless wars. This war, what we're doing is got to stop at some point. Wow. Did a president really say that? What we have to do has to stop at some point? Blows my mind. Barack Obama campaigned on it, and he won, and he didn't do anything about it. Donald Trump campaigned on it, and he won. And I don't. that wasn't his main campaign, but he did talk about it on a regular basis. And I think he got a lot of libertarians to vote for him, and I think he got a lot of anti-war Republicans excited about it. And maybe even brought over some Democrats to vote for him as well, who saw that he was going to take an anti-war stance, right? So he said it during the campaign, and he's trying to do it. It seems like it anyway, because he announces all the time, and it becomes a... Whenever he does any type of interview, he brings it up. So I think that he has the right instincts, man. I really do. 
And I hope that that's the case because my biggest issue, one of my biggest issues, and actually it is my biggest issue, is this anti-war issue, man. Um, this anti-foreign intervention, it's so important. And the loss of any life, whether it's the loss of a soldier's life or the loss of an innocent civilian's life, in my name is wrong. In my, this country, this, this federal government represents me, whether I like it or not, in foreign affairs, and it's wrong. My tax money goes to it. I don't have any choice in the matter. I go to prison, and uh, it's, it's used to buy Tomahawk missiles and bombs that are blowing up innocent civilians and churches and weddings and wherever else, right? And it's wrong. So I think that he has the right... I think that Donald Trump is on the right track with this man, and it'll be a winning issue if he will make it a center point of his campaign. And like Scott and Horton said, he can end a war every quarter between now and the election, man, and uh, just be called Donald Trump the Great if you wanted to. So then Margaret Brennan challenges on something else with the um, with his with his intel with Donald Trump's intelligence officials, right? And he says. She says, you disagree with their assessment? And then Donald Trump, I have intel people, but that doesn't mean I have to agree. President Bush had intel people that said Saddam Hussein, and then Robert Gregory says, Saddam Hussein in Iraq had nuclear weapons, had all sorts of weapons of mass destruction. Guess what? Those intel people didn't know what the hell they were doing, and they got us tied up in war that we should never have been in. We've spent trillions of dollars in the Middle East, and we have lost lives. I love it. That's amazing that he said that. And what are we going to call Donald Trump now? The, the, the one anti-war candidate besides Tulsi Gabbard right now, right? All the other ones are seem like they're for war. I mean, you have Elizabeth Warren, who's sort of not, you know, for war, but... I mean, Donald Trump is has a winning issue on this man, and they cannot challenge him on it as long as he sticks to his guns. And I would love to see that happen. I really do. Because 2020, um, if that becomes a center point where the Republicans, the Republican Donald Trump has to run against a war hawk Democrat, that would just be insane, right? Um so yeah, that to, to, to me that was a really telling. That was a really good interview. I really enjoyed watching it, just because the stance that he took against this news, you know, this news anchor during this interview, like she is challenging him on whether it was okay to leave a war and pull back, and I just loved it. I thought it was great. Um, like I said, I I usually I, this is how I am, guys. If if Donald Trump is doing something right, I will tell you. If he's doing something wrong, I'll tell you. Same thing with these other Democratic candidates. I mean, if they're if what they believe is right on some issues, I'll tell you that. I take a, I have a fifty thousand foot view of what's going on. I'm not biased on the Republican side or the Democratic side. I'm politically neutral from that standpoint. I look at everything from a libertarian perspective. Not a Libertarian Party perspective, but a Libertarian perspective. That means I believe in non-aggression in all of my affairs and that other people should abide by that policy as well. So, and I believe that men should be free to live their lives, right? 
not men and women will will be politically correct here. Men and women and theys should all be free to live their lives and not as long as they do not infringe upon someone else's rights. The idea back what they used to say life liberty and the pursuit of happiness or life liberty and property you can you as long as you don't infringe upon any of those things life liberty and property then you can do whatever you want to right that's that's your choice and what results in that is the best way for people to live is in a you know a free trade a free trade environment at that point but everything stems from that non-aggression that's my view and if a if a candidate is going to focus on policies of non-aggression I will tell you that and it'll be a, and I'll tell you the good but I'll tell you the bad and that's what I'm here to do. This is Ion 2020, your place to get all of the good, all of the bad, all of the news, all of the events, whatever it is with regard uh, you know as we lead up to this 2020 election. And if Trump's going to be the anti-war candidate, so be it. I would love to see these candidates run against him as a as war hawks. That would be absolutely insane. It'd be so funny to watch. And uh I would love to see the old anti-war people from the 60s just get on Trump for pulling out of wars. That would that would be the epitome of hypocrisy if that happened. And I I guarantee you will see it. I really do if Donald Trump ends up running from an anti-war stance. So guys, go ahead if you can subscribe to the show. Follow me on uh Twitter that is at Eye on the Empire. And go ahead and leave me a rating and review. This is Eye on 2020, your place to have a clear vision for the 2020 election. Keep coming back, listening in, and I will share with you all of the information that you need to have a clear focus on this 2020 election.